Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, March 3rd, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, everyone in crypto stops doing business with Silvergate. Brave Search launches an AI summarizer, a look at TikTok's AI bold glamour filter. Maybe the Activision acquisition is going to skate through the regulators after all. And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. More fallout in crypto, Coinbase, Circle, Paxos, Crypto.com, Bitstamp, SIBO, and Gemini have all suspended business operations with Silvergate at this point, which you'll recall reported being, quote, less than well capitalized, which is not what you want to hear from a bank, quoting Coindesk. Silvergate announced Wednesday it would delay filing its annual 10K filing due to needing to answer requests from its independent auditors and accounting firm, as well as, quote, regulatory and other inquiries and investigations that are pending, end quote. The bank warned in a forward-looking statement that it faced possible inquiries from bank regulators and the U.S. Department of Justice, and its ability to, quote, continue as a going concern over the next year may be affected. Quote, subsequent to December 31st, 2022, a number of circumstances have occurred, which will negatively impact the timing and the unaudited results previously reported in the earnings release, including the sale of additional investment securities beyond what was previously anticipated and disclosed in the earnings release, primarily to repay in full the company's outstanding advances from the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco, the filing said, end quote. Brave Search has launched Summarizer, which provides a synopsis of search results from some queries using its own LLM. So again, another shot across Google's bow, quoting TechCrunch. The summary feature is available to all Brave Search users on desktop and mobile. In the examples given by the company, it can summarize results for queries like, are acetaminophen and ibuprofen the same? Through medical resources or what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, through news links. Besides the summary, the improved Brave Search will also highlight relevant sentences and listed results as news articles. Previously, it just highlighted search keywords from the page description. The company said that its LLM is trained to fight, quote, unsubstantiated assertions, referring to AI chat of other search engines like Bing going awry and sprouting out misinformation because of prompt engineering. Just like other offerings, Brave Search offers citations and links so that people can look at sources to double-check the information. So people have to decide for themselves if the mentioned sources are reliable, but there is a chance that people won't even look at these links. Brave warns users that they should not trust everything produced by AI-powered search results in its announcement, but it's not clear if a similar warning will be shown in search results when people try out the feature. In the announcement, Brave noted that this new release won't generate a summary for all queries, Currently, it is applicable for only 17% of the queries on the search engine, but the company expects this percentage to increase over time. The company explained that the summarizer feature is reliant on its own LLMs instead of the popular GPT tech by OpenAI. It said that it uses a mix of three models. The first one is a question-answering model to get answers from text across pages. The second model is a classifier to weed out hate speech and spam. The final model rewrites the sentences to present a concise result." And have you heard the controversy around TikTok's viral bold glamour filter, which an expert says likely uses generative adversarial networks amid fears that the tool may hurt users' self-esteem? Quoting The Verge, 
If you've scrolled through TikTok over the past week, you've probably seen a video that goes something like this. A woman looks amazed as she stares at her face in the camera. She touches her lips, her eyelids, her cheeks, as if questioning that the parts of her face could actually be real. It's not me at all, one user said. That's because, in fact, the face they're touching isn't really their own. It's the result of an unusually impressive new face filter called Bold Glamour that's been sweeping the app with swaths of users filming their reactions to how believably it alters their appearance, be it with fascination, delight, or outright horror. Bold Glamour is one of the most impressive TikTok effects yet, and it appears to be a first look at how AI-powered tools could make face transformations harder to detect and even better at transforming how people look. But for now, TikTok is keeping the secret behind Bold Glamour quiet. The company has ignored multiple emails from The Verge asking for confirmation that Bold Glamour is using AI, even though the company rolled out a new set of AI filter tools for effects creators last month. In a February 22nd update to Effect House, its filter creation tools, TikTok announced that effects creators would now have access to a handful of generative AI effects that change a user's facial features in real time. The new effects include an eyebrow eraser, a lip puckering effect, and a smiling effect, and creators with early access have already made filters using the new tools. In its creator guides, TikTok promises the generative effects match a user's skin and are seamless. These techniques differ from how most filter effects have been made until now. Traditional filters will usually take your 2D camera feed and map out your face onto an exaggerated 3D model, says Luke Hurd, an augmented reality consultant who's worked on Snapchat and Instagram filters. These effects can warp or glitch when you obstruct them because the 3D overlay has a hard time adhering to the layout of your face. This is a bit of a milestone and an indicator of the weirdness of the post-reality world that lies ahead, says Mimo Atkin, assistant professor of computational art and design at UC San Diego Visual Arts, who's been highlighting videos of how accurately the effect changes faces. Bold Glamour transforms users' faces in ways we've come to expect from traditional beauty filters, but in a vastly more impressive way. It adds sharp contouring on the sides of the face and nose over a matte, even complexion. Eyebrows are lusher and symmetrical, lips are plumper, there's a sparkly glazed-over look to the eyes, present but empty. Since gaining traction sometime last week, more than 9 million videos using the filter have been shared on TikTok already. Hertz says Bold Glamour is likely making use of machine learning technologies, and in particular, generative adversarial networks, or GANs, to pull off this impressive feat. Simply put, GANs pit two competing neural networks against each other in a fistfight to the death, Hurd says. In the case of Bold Glamour, it's a competition between the camera's view of your face and the style TikTok wants to morph you into. Because it uses you, it then compares aspects of your face to a data set of images that start to match against your cheeks, eyes, eyebrows, lips, and more. Eventually, the technology combines the two sets of images into one. If we do this fast enough, we can achieve a video frame rate, Heard says. And now we have a next-level effect like Bold Glamour, end quote. Reuters is reporting that EU regulators are likely to approve Microsoft's $69 billion Activision Blizzard acquisition, satisfied by the company's Nintendo and NVIDIA licensing deals that we told you about recently. Quoting The Verge. The European Commission is reportedly unlikely to demand that Microsoft sell any Activision Blizzard assets as a condition of regulatory approval. That's a contrast to the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, or CMA, which offered up possible remedies last month that include Microsoft being forced to sell off Activision Blizzard's business associated with Call of Duty. EU regulators are scheduled to decide on Microsoft's Activision deal by April 25th, and it appears that last-minute licensing agreements with Nintendo and NVIDIA may have helped win favor for Microsoft in Europe. 
Microsoft revealed it had signed a binding 10-year agreement with Nintendo to bring Call of Duty to Nintendo platforms just hours before a key EU meeting last month. Microsoft then held a special press event in Brussels after its meeting with EU regulators to announce a similar deal with NVIDIA. Microsoft has also offered Sony a similar 10-year deal on new Call of Duty games, but the PlayStation maker hasn't signed a deal yet. Microsoft still faces close regulatory scrutiny in the UK and US, though. The FTC sued to try to block the deal late last year, and the CMA provisional findings suggest it favors structural remedies like selling off the Call of Duty business over behavioral ones like access remedies and licensing agreements, end quote. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon, because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride, onepasswordcom ride. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ka-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify transformed ResumeWriters.com from the spaghetti code backend I cobbled together in college to the world-class commerce platform it sits on today. And Shopify can do the same for your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ride, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ride now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ride. Time for the weekend long read suggestions. Trying not to be so AI heavy this week, but this first one sort of is the AI story by reflection. Friend of the show, Ranjan Roy, asks, Hey, Alexa, what happened to you? With all of this new chatbot stuff, why are the original chatbots basically seemingly stuck in amber? Quote, The Gartnerian hype cycle around the Echo and Voice perfectly captures so much of the tech in the 
2010s. Big promises cut down simply because of how things worked at the time. Maybe our primary means of interacting with computers shouldn't be speaking to a computer, but I really would have thought that 12 years after the launch of Siri, the potential of voice would have been realized. Maybe my parents would be talking to computers as much as they typed, and at the least, I'd be talking to my AirPods more than I take out my phone while I walk around New York City. I think there were four reasons that stunted the promise of voice. Closed-off ecosystems, overly ambitious proclamations, distorted monopolistic incentives, and of course, too much capital. The first culprit is best represented by Apple and the closed-off ecosystem it built around Siri. Thanks to its device stranglehold, which certainly has some benefits, it was allowed to let Siri continue to be the hot pile of garbage it continues to be. Then there's the bigger issue, how the tech zeitgeist of the mid-2010s meant every innovation had to be an earth-shattering, wholly transformative thing that would change every facet of our lives. It wasn't enough to simply build the best glorified alarm clock and then leverage that network into a larger computing promise. From day one, voice had to be the next platform. Instead of focusing on making the core use case incredibly simple, smart home aficionados will know well the pain of trying to make basic things just work, Amazon had to sell us on a whole new world where all commerce and computer interaction was via spoken word. Of course, I'm going to just go there as well. Zerp played a huge role. Just think about every cycle we saw over the past decade. Zerp, by the way, he's referring to zero interest rate policy. There would be some new technology like blockchain, Internet of Things, AI, VR, and I'm sure I'm missing a few, that instantly everyone had to pretend it would change everything. All of these technological advancements could have been implemented gradually, finding product market fit and building solid businesses from there, but instead, every startup in the space had to spout off big ideas to then be force-fed capital like a goose bred for foie gras. Then they'd never live up to their potential and be pushed into the trough of disillusionment. Startups that tried to grow responsibly would be blitzscaled into oblivion." End quote. Then, remember when the Ukraine war started and we all marveled that there didn't seem to be any unprecedented wave of cyber attacks? Well, it turns out we were wrong about that. Turns out there were a number of huge attacks, including a hack of in-orbit satellites that no one thought was possible. Quoting from Bloomberg, The war is really just revealing the capabilities of hackers, says Aaron Miller, who runs the Space Information Sharing and Analysis Center, a trade group that gathers data on orbital threats. Cyber attacks affecting the industry, she says, have become a daily occurrence. The Viasat hack was widely considered a harbinger of things to come. For decades after the dawn of the space age, nobody worried much about making satellites tamper-proof. It was tough enough just to put them in orbit. By the 1980s, though, there were more SAT systems to play with, and spies and amateurs alike started figuring out how to do it. In 1986, John McDougall, an American engineer who dubbed himself Captain Midnight, jammed HBO's signal to protest fee hikes. Today, China, Russia, the U.S., and dozens of other nations have demonstrated that they can hack stuff in space, according to James Pavor a cybersecurity researcher who recently went to work for the Pentagon as a digital service expert. His research has shown just how easy it is to hack an orbiting satellite, its data transmissions, or the ground networks that support them. Almost all of daily life entails some use of satellites. GPS coordinates and space-based relays are essential components not only of global communications, military operations, and weather forecasting, but also of farms, power grids, transportation networks, ATMs, and some digital clocks. 
All 16 infrastructure sectors the U.S. has designated as critical depend to a great extent, pretty much all of them, on space systems, says Sam Visner, a former chief of the National Security Agency's Signals Intelligence Programs, who's now vice chair of the Space ISAC. Visner has argued for years that satellite systems aren't secure enough, including the ground stations. Pavur says... This gear has been hacked at least two dozen times in the past decade or so. As part of his 2019 doctoral thesis at the University of Oxford, he intercepted sensitive communications beamed down to ships and Fortune 500 companies, including crew manifests, passport details, and credit card numbers and payments, all with $400 worth of home equipment. It turns out to be easy, he says. I just bought some cheap antennas, pointed them at some satellites, and found I could clean up the data from the signals because nothing is encrypted, end quote. All right, I lied. ZDNet has a piece up alerting us to a threat that we hadn't had to think about before this current AI wave. I'm talking about the potential of attacks against the data sets used to train AI. Quote, Data poisoning occurs when attackers tamper with the training data used to create deep learning models. This action means it's possible to affect the decisions that the AI makes in a way that is hard to track. By secretly altering the source information used to train machine learning algorithms, data poisoning attacks have the potential to be extremely powerful because the AI will be learning from incorrect data and could make wrong decisions that have significant consequences. There's currently no evidence of real-world attacks involving the poisoning of web-scale datasets, but now a group of AI and machine learning researchers from Google ETH Zurich, NVIDIA, and Robust Intelligence say they've demonstrated the possibility of poisoning attacks that guarantee malicious examples will appear in web-scale datasets that are used to train the largest machine learning models. Researchers said that by using the techniques they devised to exploit the way the datasets work, they could have poisoned 0.01% of prominent deep learning datasets with little effort and low cost. While 0.01% doesn't sound like a lot of datasets, researchers warn that it's sufficient to poison a model. This attack is known as split-view poisoning. If an attacker could gain control over a web resource indexed by a particular dataset, they could poison the data that's collected, making it inaccurate with the potential to affect the whole algorithm negatively. One way attackers can achieve this goal is by simply buying expired domain names. Domains expire on a regular basis and can then be bought by someone else, which is a perfect opportunity for a data poisoner. The adversary does not need to know the exact time at which clients will download the resource in the future. By owning the domain, the adversary guarantees that any future download will collect poison data, the researcher said, end quote. And finally, I almost didn't share this one because, to me, this is a story that everybody knows. But then I remembered that's not true. The history I remember, as obvious, might not be remembered at all if we don't pass things down on occasion. So, from my friend David Brock of the Computer History Museum, quote, I'm talking about the Xerox Alto, which debuted in the early spring of 1973 at the photocopying giant's newly established research and development laboratory, the Palo Alto Research Center, known as PARC. The reason it is so uncannily familiar today is simple. We are still living in a world of computing that the Alto created. The Alto was a wild departure from the computers that preceded it. It was built to tuck under a desk with its monitor, keyboard, and mouse on top. It was totally interactive, responding directly to its single user, end quote. Actually, this made me think that maybe the reason everyone's so excited about all this AI stuff is maybe this is the moment when the paradigm of computing that the personal computer and 
the Alto as the predecessor to the personal computer made possible. This is the moment that it's maybe getting blown up. So anyway, read this entire piece. Come for the Steve Jobs stealing the spirit of the Alto wholesale to create the Macintosh, but stay for other visionary stuff like Alan Kay's Dynabook mock-up from 1968. One bonus episode for you this weekend. I was doing a normal check-in with portfolio company Grupa. You might remember that with all the recent layoffs, they've seen a surge in usage of their platform. So I had them jump on a recording real quick to just give us a quick state of what they're seeing in tech, both from the job search and the recruiting side. TLDR, there's a real crypto winter going on right now, but when it comes to hiring, not the usual crypto winter that we're used to. Anyway, like I said, not a long episode, just a quick chat, but enjoy. It's informative. Talk to you on Monday.